When the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real we are back once again. I am actually really, really fired up for this conversation. Doug, Doug and I were just chatting in the pre-show and uh, yeah, I just got to a whole nother level of energy. Jerry, I also think that January is looking, I don't know, pretty exciting. I know you've been sending me some pretty updates. What's going on in your, your side of the pond? Uh, work, 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 work. But this morning I got delivery of my new golf sim for the back garden. So that means that I can burn a little bit of energy, work on my game a little bit and, you know, maximize my, my, my lunch hours and stuff with the just being piling into work on, you know, I need to get that separation of church and state a little bit better. So that's what's occupying my energy uh, at the moment is, is refining that swing and getting better. And don't you also you also have a Peloton coming soon, right? Yeah, but that's on delay. Like, there's a two week supply chain issue, Ryan. So we can't start competing for at least another fortnight. So I need uh, to occupy my time and energy with other things right now. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that leaderboard when it comes. Yeah, awesome, guys. Very, very privileged to have a brilliant guest joining us today. And by brilliant, I mean that in the best and purest sense of the word. Uh, we're joined by Doug Strahacek, who is one of the world's foremost advocates and thinkers around the science of mental toughness. Before I invite Doug to introduce himself, this is a massive theme to help unlock the business performance potential of salespeople. We hear about grit, resilience and mental toughness a lot, but nobody can ever define it so i'm hoping in today's episode we get an opportunity to work through that definition with doug understand it really well and hopefully create some actionable outputs that sales leaders can have our heart and light bulb moments again so that they can go right now we know now we know so doug long time friend how are you i was saying in the pre-show to everyone it's, it's sort of 10 years since since we met well, it's been some time, Jerry, and it's been an interesting journey. Absolutely. So, Doug, why don't you give yourself, give, give the audience an introduction into to what you do, why you do it, and, and how you do it. Is that okay? Right. So, so my story is uh, there's a tiny bit of luck. I met a very clever guy called Professor Peter Clough. He wasn't a professor when I first met him. And about 30 years ago, he started telling me about this concept of mental toughness. And at first, I kind of did what everybody else does, saying, go away, I'm focusing on what I'm focusing on. Then all of a sudden, I realized he was onto something. And you're quite right. Uh, people have always understood that the concept is important. No matter what you call it, People, some people will describe it as grit or resilience. And the reality is, it is really, really important, but we've never understood exactly what it is. And it's not a new concept. Um, it goes back, would you believe, the first person who mentions an equivalent concept is Plato. And if you go back to the four virtues, that's the year, going back two and a half thousand years, he talks about one of the four things that everybody has to master is fortitude. And if you look at what he did, um, 
how he describes fortitude is exactly how we describe mental toughness now. And then you roll on about 500 years and you get the Romans and the Stoics. And the Stoics took a view that, yeah, life is full of ups and downs, it's full of crap, but actually, if you just set your mind to get on with it, you can actually thrive, not just survive. And then, of course, nothing much happens for about another 2,000 years. It's as if we know it's important, but we don't really know what it is. And then in, I suppose, the last 30 or 40 years, people have begun to approach the subject and begin to understand it. And Peter Clough, my good friend, is the person who finally worked out what it was. But the most the recent development, of course, comes from where Ryan's sitting. It came from North America. So it's really interesting to take an idea that germinated in North America and to be bringing it back into North America. Yeah, fascinating, isn't it? Um, so Doug, can you, can you just describe a little bit of the types of work and, and things that you do to help organisations get a sense of mental toughness in, in their people? And, you know, I'm sure people go, well, it's just a behaviour, isn't it? It's just a characteristic. It's just a thing. It's just something that somebody's got. But you and I both know that's not true. So maybe if we can just unpick some of the what is it and what isn't it. And then yeah. a bit well, more. what it is, is it is an aspect of our personality. And the, the challenge with that is that for the last 50 or 60 years, we've there's been a lot of focus on personality, but nearly all of that has been on something that a psychologist would call behavioral personality. So that's understanding how we act when something happens. That's important and it's valuable, but actually it's not the most important question we should be asking. The question we should be asking is, why do you act the way you do when something happens? Because if we can understand the why question, we can do something about it. But until you understand how people respond mentally when things happen, you can't get to the why question. And that's what mental toughness is about. It's understanding our mental responses to events, whether they are setbacks, tragedies, opportunities, or challenges. Each time we're faced with something, before we do anything, we're responding mentally, but we can never see that. It's the invisible bit of the process. And the fact is we can now bring that out into the open. We understand what it is. And very usefully, we've now got a way of measuring it, as a, a test or a psychometric measure. And that for many is the start point. Because if you can measure it, you know, the cliche, if it ain't measured, it doesn't get done. Well, we can yep. measure it and we can do something about it. These tests, do they have a predictive component to them? Sorry? These tests, do they have a predictive component? Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. So the whole purpose of a psychometric test is that it makes a prediction about the likelihood of either your behaviour or, in our case, the way you think. I mean... The challenge is that people often think that these are, oh, I've got, done a test, it tells me this is what I am. Tests don't work like that. They're not, they're not that um, accurate, or, or although accurate is probably the wrong word to use. They make predictions about what you probably are. And so you get a good idea of who you are, but you still need to think about it, reflect on it, and come to a better decision about yourself. Yeah, so being a driver or being a you know an organizer or any of the other stuff that comes out of those typical methodologies that you know a lot of big organizations would use to benchmark and screen, 
probably not a great predictor of the why you do the things you do or the how you do the things you do, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's the, because that's the missing component. Well, what we would tend to do, work with an organization, we'd start by saying, right, under, first of all, understand the concept, understand why it's important. If they don't buy into the, the idea, they're never going to use it properly. Second step is use the measure, use a psychometric measure, assess yourself. You're important in all of this because you're influencing other people. That's the leadership bit. But then go and test the team because you need to understand something about the team and the people that work with you. Once you've got that, you're beginning to get an insight into something you've never seen before or it's been very hard to, to access. Once you've got that, you can begin to say, well, okay, if that's the issue, right, I think I can now direct this intervention. It could be coaching, it could be training, it could be whatever. And the beauty of the whole process is you can do all of this and you're doing it for a purpose. You need to have a purpose like performance or well-being or something like that. You can then get to some stage and say, okay, I've been doing all this to change your mindset, the way you think. Let's measure where we've got to. And of course, that's a, in a lot of development work. That is something that never happens. People yeah. do something and think it's happened. We've got the ability to actually evidence it, check that it's happened. So, other Greg, I have a question there. So, this concept of personalities is where you typically go here, as Jerry's been saying over and over again. You know, we've got a driver, a, a, yeah. whatever it might be. Um, and so, typically, we try to hire for that personality trait or that personality type for a specific role. And then you've got this new kind of evolving idea of, we want folks with that growth mindset, right? You either have a growth mindset or, or, uh, or you don't. Um, are you saying that you know mental toughness is a, is, is a part of you know this aspect of uh, potentially being able to learn that component of a growth mindset? Or tell me a little bit more. Am I on the right track here? Or uh, you, you are. You're absolutely on the right track. I mean. Um, I remember going to a conference about 20 years ago, and the slogan for the conference was, it's echoing what you've just said, most people are recruited because of their qualifications and knowledge, mm -hmm. and they're fired because of their attitude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would not use mindset as the word. I'd say, that we're talking about attitude. We're talking about what's going on in the head. Mm -hmm. And it goes, when you then speak to people who have been recruiting people and say, have you ever tested for attitude? They say, no because it's difficult, it's hard. You know, I can't see inside your head. I, I don't know what attitude you're bringing into my organization. I can make predictions about your behavior, but I don't know how cooperative you're going to be or whether you're going to come with a can-do approach or whether you, you're prepared to work hard. I don't know any, any of these things. What we can now do is get down to that sort of level. And But the, the great thing about the concept is it's not pass or fail. It's not black or white. What we can do is assess somebody and they will i should really step back there are eight components to mental toughness so when we talk about mental toughness and mental sensitivity it's a little bit different to growth and fixed mindset in that that's just one level this has got some components what we know is you can have be mentally tough or mentally sensitive on any of those components so there's no such thing as really, as somebody who's completely mentally tough or completely mentally sensitive. So if we were to look at growth and fixed mindset, we, we should be saying, well, are you, have you got a growth mindset on everything? 
And at the moment, there's no way of telling. What we can do is we can tell. Now, if somebody has a degree of mental sensitivity, that's usually the element that causes a problem, you can do something about it because you can only do something about it if you've pinpointed it, if you've identified it, which is the whole point of the work that Peter was doing. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you create self-awareness and say, sit down with somebody and say, look, this is the reason why you're not fitting. This is the reason, this is your, your attitude. This is the aspect of your approach that is creating a problem. They then have a couple of choices. I'm going to change or I'm not. And if they want to change, they then still have two choices. They can either learn to be something different because we know that a lot of mental toughness is capable of being developed. Or you can say, actually, I'm not going to change, but I'm going to learn to cope with it. And I'll give you a little example. Uh, this is from me. A few years ago, there's one aspect of mental toughness that's uh, it's called emotional control. And it measures the extent to which you manage your emotions when something happens. Mm. So if I go back in time, I used to kind of, if something went wrong, I'd blow a fuse, right? I never would even know about it. And after a while, yeah, people sorry, pointed it out to me. I'm laughing at Ryan. For, for Ryan can be a bit volatile sometimes. So. All right, okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad there's some distance between us. <laughs> more more than sometimes. I, I got to work on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I learned after a while. I mean, that, that it had an impact on other people. Other people could get intimidated by me. The other people start keeping their distance. And when I wanted their help and their support, they wouldn't come near me. So eventually I learned I had to do something about it. And I did. And I think most people will now say, I don't do it anywhere near as much. And I'm reasonably calm. My life's a lot better. But if I hadn't understood that, I couldn't have done anything about it. You know, so. Yeah. I am sort of layering that into the sort of practical reality of selling. Selling is a fail career in the sense that every day you need to absorb bruises you can't keep all of your customers happy all of the time you can't scope creep you can't extend favorable terms you get told no 85 percent of the time every single day you might have some discomfort with talking about money there's all of these different things that spread together which are inherently saying even if you're in the top one percent of the world in a selling environment that entire success that you built for yourself is still consumed by these steps of failure along the way. One of the reasons why I'm so sort of passionate about the work that you guys do is, is helping rationalize that. It's okay to fail so long as you can pick yourself up again, put some dirt in the wounds and move along. Or am I thinking wide of the mark there, Doug? No, that's absolutely spot on. I, I was fortunate to work at one stage in my life for one of the best companies in the world. That was Castrol, the lubricants people. They were astonishingly successful. I worked on the operations side. And on the operations side, that was about delivery performance. And we used to go for something like 99.9% delivery performance. We would get one delivery out of a 1,000 wrong. And if we got two deliveries out of a 1,000 wrong, we'd be mortified. It would take us weeks to recover. And then I started working with the salespeople, and it was the opposite. They were saying, you know, uh, a 15% success rate is a great success rate. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, how can you get told 
to go away 85% of the time. If that was on my, my side of the business, we'd be nervous wrecks. You know, the, the vast majority of people will tell us to go away. <laughs> and I, I realized then that actually in the world of sales, there is a quality you need to have. And of course, if you look at the mental toughness concept, there is, there's a couple of aspects of it that are very relevant. So one of them is goal orientation, you know, the yeah. way that you set goals and you understand goals. Another one is risk orientation. And that's about being prepared to put yourself into situations that carry some sort of risk. You can either play it safe or you can go and stretch yourself and go and try find new customers or new markets or whatever. And some people can do that. But allied to that is something else. It's learning orientation. So I remember a, you know, basically that means I go and visit a, a potential client. It doesn't work. And I come away. I can either not think about it and keep repeating my mistake, or I can think about it and say, hang on, why didn't that work? So what I'm doing is converting that negative event into a positive event. And that's what good salespeople do. They learn all the time. They keep adjusting. I see it in my work here. You know, three years ago, when we would take mental toughness to a client, all they were talking about was performance. Now, it's all about mental health and well-being. So the markets constantly shift. If you're not alert to that, if I kept trying to flog performance at the moment, I just get rejection after rejection. It's still important, but they, most people are more concerned about, you know, not going crazy in this COVID era. Would you say that, you know, if you, if you focus on the outcome from, in this case, you're talking about performance, but in, in a fail, what would you just call that, Jerry? A fail career, <laughs> fail, yeah. fail all the time. You know, if you start to focus on that learning component of it and, and bringing it back to um, in any situation, there's something that's going to happen from this. And that's what I'm going to spend my time thinking about. That mm -hmm. ultimately is going to drive better outcomes than focusing on the positive outcome all the time. Absolutely. And uh, the, the person who probably twigged that in the modern era is, is, was a, an American psychologist who lived in California, where, where you are, a woman called Suzanne Cavassa. Who, understood, who developed this concept that people for, for a time spoke about was called hardiness. And what she realized was some people were resilient, right? They could take knocks, but actually, in a sense, there were two kinds of resilience. One was you were resilient because you have to be resilient. Well, that would wear you out after a time. You get too many knocks, eventually you, you stay down. But there were also people who had this quality of hardiness. <clears throat> These are people who not only were resilient, but the, the mindset was, I understand the world is going to be full of knocks. I tell you what, I want to have a go at it, and I'm in, going to enjoy it in a way. And so she introduced this notion of challenge that I've just been talking about. She realized that there were some people there who could take all of this in their stride. And not only that, they actually liked it. For them, it was a challenge. For them, it was a purpose in life. And <laughs> that was quite a key breakthrough. <laughs> D does this society talk to those people? Usually we think that they're crazy, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of people who call them a sociopath in some way, right? You know, if you don't understand the real psychology there, is that? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They're not crazy people. No, no, no. No, no. The thing, in fact, they, they 
they're quite normal people. They just have this additional quality. They, um, they're not frightened of things, you know. They and if they get a rejection, their attitude can sometimes be, "Well, that's your bad luck. I was going to do something wonderful for you. You've said no. I'm going to find somebody else that will say yes." And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's about developing that kind of positive uh, element to the notion of resilience because resilience is a passive concept it's you know, i'm on my knees i'm going to pick myself up mm-hmm. but somebody who's mentally tough is i'm on my knees i'm confident about my abilities i can go and explain to people what's happened to me and i'm not bothered about it and i see this as a challenge now i don't see it as the end of my life work whatever so, so um, this, one, one... One, one of the things that really impressed upon me was how simple, simply and eloquently the whole sort of concept can be explained. And and I kind of get on my passion piece at dinner parties or when I'm out with friends and they talk about mental toughness. And I go, do you know, even know what it is? And they, they continue to describe these traits. And then I take them through the four C's, you know, that inward four C's, those yeah. outward four C's. And I think the real practical flesh around the research and the execution that your organization and Dr. Peter Clough do and how can I go away and apply it, right, is to really understand what those four C's are. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, and that's been our mission because um, I, I really get on well with Peter Clough, Professor Clough, and he's a very down-to-earth guy. As you know, in even in England, he's got, famous for having a very strong Yorkshire accent. So he doesn't sound like a, you know, a very sophisticated academic. He's very down-to-earth, and he uses down-to-earth language. And I suppose if I have a criticism of academics, especially psychologists, is they sometimes like using six-syllable words when two syllables will do. They know a lot, but they don't often make it accessible. And that's been our mission. You know, when, when I first understood Peter's work, I remember the conversation with him. Um, I, he told me about what had been discovered. He, he showed me the science. And I said to him, the world needs to know about this. And his question was, how? And I, I mean, I knew then that if I'd go and show people the academic papers, they would just, their eyes would roll. So we had to kind of tr- almost translate it into everyday language. And that's what you've been seeing. Jerry so, and that's that's important there's a lot of great ideas out there that never see the light of day because people don't present it properly so, so those four C's just I'm testing myself here I promise I'm not looking at any other screens or anything and if I've got this right it's challenge commitment confidence and control right absolutely yeah well done and control and commitment are the two elements that are associated with uh, with resilience and challenge and confidence are the two positive elements that transform resilience into mental toughness. Yeah. Okay, so there's there's an infrastructure layer and then there's an application layer almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, one of the other things that I think about quite a lot is, you know, people paint their picture of the perfect salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a Venn diagram of you've got to be resilient, but you've got to be emotionally intelligent and you've got to be soft and you've got to be hard. Sometimes those those theories in my mind and what I see practically every single day are completely conflicting and they don't complement each other. Yeah, and you, you've got a really good point and that's a, a really common fault. People like to think in terms of black and white, this person fits, this person doesn't. 
Yeah. Um, if you translate that into how does mental toughness fit in with salespeople? Well, a mentally tough individual, somebody who scores high on those four constructs, yet yeah, they would have an advantage, definite advantage. They'll be able to take the knocks. They'll be positive for a lot longer. The advantage of the, the explaining the concept and using the questionnaire is that even somebody is comparatively mentally sensitive. Once they understand something about themselves, can work, can understand, all right, this is the reason why sometimes I have a bad day. This is what I can do about it. So mm. you don't have to be a perfect fit to be a great salesperson. You have to be a very good fit, but you've got to be self-aware. Now, that's yeah. not just true about being a salesperson. That's true about everything. We try to fit people too perfectly into things. But actually, as people, we are complex. We, we are all really different. And, you know, it's just too much to ask that we can find a perfect person that fits this perfect hole. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So what tips would you give to coaching against that then? I mean, Ryan and I talk about this a lot, right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, I well, mean, God, sorry, Ryan. Yeah, no, I mean, this, 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 this topic is just so fascinating for me because I, I, uh, I'm, I'm an individual who's very, you know, hard on um, certain things, black and white around, hey, it's got to be done this way. Um, yeah. That's how I've gotten to where I need to be driven, driven towards a certain miss mission or like just something that needs to get done. And then when I achieve that, I've always been like, okay, well, that didn't really fulfill me. What's next, right? So that kind of, that's why I've been driven towards the, Stoi the Stoics and, and really trying to get into this mindset of like, well, there is no... Um, right or wrong. And it's just, it just is. And, um, and that's really opened up my mind to this idea that it's this constant journey. There's no destination really. I mean, you have to have that, but there's this, this constant journey of, of, um, you know, not good, not bad. It's just, it just is, it's kind of the Buddhist side of things too. And, um, once I've made that, once I made that leap in my mind, it's really changed my perspective on a few things. Now I still blow up my work on my, 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 I got that fuse in my head. I still blow up a little bit. I, I try to take a breath. I try to do those things. Um, but I've always kind of had that, that growth mindset. Maybe I didn't put it in the right areas mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but I also feel like, uh, you know, back, you know, four or five years ago, when people try to tell me things, I would be, I'd push it off. And eventually once I open it up, like, okay, yes, I do see your point, that emotional intelligence piece. But I would have probably been very hard on that, take a lot of knocks side of things, but never really did the why. If you looked at where I was, you know, four or five years ago, today, you know, I'm taking the knocks and trying to, you know, take it, take it in, and then say, okay, how would I approach this differently? And I still have a tremendous amount of like a ton of work to do. But uh, but from a coaching perspective, um, you know, is there? Is there an approach that helps you go from, I mean, obviously you're saying this is learnable, it's coachable, it's teachable, but how do you start to break through those elements when you get somebody like that, that, that says they're open-minded? I mean, I, I buy every book in the world. I, I invest in coaching and things like that, but it took a long time for me to get to a point where yeah. I came into that self-awareness piece that you're talking about. And yeah. only then, I think only then is it really helped move the needle, right? Because it's, it's like showing up. That was on my Peloton coach. You can show up, you can say you're going to the destination. It's like you get there, I'm doing the work, but like until you take it through and put it on yourself 
I just ranted about this yesterday, Jerry, on uh, Richard's post. It's like, until you really put it on yourself, no, it's no one else's fault. Like, you own your own success. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Because, I mean, I, I'm going through this journey now and I'm enlightened, but a lot of the stuff that I used to say is like, oh, someone else's fault. It's this part, blah, blah. you know, like, they didn't give me the right situations. They're stupid, whatever it might be. No, it's all me, man. It's all me. I got, I, the only one that owns my future is me, but maybe I'm going on a tangent here, but what are your thoughts on that? Right. Well, that's a nice, that's a whole bundle of questions, but (laughs) if I focus just on the coaching thing for a minute, our biggest growth steadily for the last five, six, seven years has been with coaches because the concept and the questionnaire is the absolute perfect tool for coaches. A coach is somebody that doesn't tell you what you should be doing. The coach, the ideal coach is somebody that sits with you and helps you to understand yourself, to understand why sometimes I get it right, why sometimes I get it wrong, and why sometimes is life difficult for me when it's easier for somebody else. So to create that kind of self-awareness is what you're really doing is you're saying, I'm going to help you to understand how you think, your attitude to things that happen to you. The one thing we we find very difficult to do, if something goes wrong in my life, I can very easily understand I've come to a shuddering halt. I can't always understand why I've come to that shuddering halt. Now, with that mental toughness concept and the framework that Jerry was talking about, we know there are eight different elements. So the first thing I can do as a coach is explain to you that actually there might be eight reasons why you've you've come to a halt and you've, you're frustrated. And in fact, it might not just be one of them. It might be two of them. It might be three of them. So look at the picture. This is what's happening in your head. Try to work out whether any of these are things that matter to you. And of course, if you use the questionnaire, you then start saying, well, actually, the questionnaire is beginning to signpost which of those eight issues are likely to be a, an issue for you. So what you're helping somebody to do is become self-aware. And the nice thing about that is people don't like being told, as a rule, what they're not good at. But this is a questionnaire. This is not me telling you. This is a questionnaire. And it's like having a a virtual Professor Clough, because he designed the questionnaire, in our conversation. So this is what Professor Clough is saying about you. Let's talk about that. And if that, and I'll tell you something, that does overcome a lot of objections because people don't like it, me talking to you saying, maybe you're not good at this. Maybe you, you need to develop this. What they're looking at is the questionnaire that they've completed that has given them feedback to them. And I can help with that conversation. I can layer stuff onto that conversation in the way that Jerry was talking about before. So what we find is it does help to overcome that kind of reticence or, you know, the not being open to learning, but and it allows that breakthrough moment. Now, the minute that you've got somebody understanding or creating that self-awareness, you've got them on that first step to a journey to doing something about it. You, can, you can't improve something if you don't know what, there is, what it is you have to improve or if you're close to the idea that it's going to be improved. So it's a great way of opening, opening somebody up. Going back to what you, you were talking about, you, you were also adding in this notion of uh, motivation. And you were talking about, you know, I, I want to have a growth mindset all my life. 
And of course, the growth mindset is associated with this, uh, the popular field of positive psychology at the moment. But actually, what you're addressing is something that goes back a little bit further. And there's, again, another American, Abraham Maslow, spoke yeah. about the hierarchy of needs and where motivation comes from. And what you were describing very clearly to me, I could hear it, was self-actualization. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I want to be in that journey. I'm never going to get perfection, but I'm going to be better than I am today. And that, I mean, he found that kind of intrinsic motivation was the most powerful motivator for most people. Most people want to live a good life to be better. And that matters more than anything else. And that's what I heard you say. Yeah, I mean, self-actualization, you know, I've gone through crises of confidence in my life. I've had imposter syndrome. I've gone through the sort of, you know, crisis of, am I good enough? But so much of that is just a response, an emotional response to something. Talk yourself back out of it and you can go on and take on the world, you know. Yeah. With the right self-taught, you can go and win Olympic medals in your mind, right? So, you know, I think that when I coach reps, I'm often looking to find out why they feel the way they do about something. Here's my observation. It's qualitative, but I reckon if we ran some science over this, we'd find a really common thread. Most of the time, they're just obsessed with being liked and likeable that it stops them from taking action in the important moments. And actually, if I'm trying to convince somebody to buy something from me at, you know, higher than £50,000 a year, again, I'm going to have those moments where I just have to push that likability out and stay firm and be hard and, and be aware and be cognizant of the fact that that's a bruising moment for somebody. It's a lot of money. It's X, Y, Z. Yeah. Rep underperformance often happens in those moments where they... They just want to be the relationship builder or the friend or the something else. And, you know, my, my thesis here is let's analyze those four C's together. Let's expose some of those potential deep-seated issues. Let's see if we can coach together. Let's layer that in with the practical sales coaching. Let's listen to your conversations. Let's look at your data. And those three things together could go on to really optimize people's careers. My big fear my thesis is so many people are burning out and cycling out of a potentially very rewarding for a career for them because they don't understand where the part of them being on their knees they can come back from. Yeah, so if yeah. I've got a mission on this, it's to try and help themselves identify that as much as possible, right? Yeah, and you'd get an insight into why people burn out in the mental toughness framework because within that commitment factor, there is a, sorry, commitment construct. There's a factor called achievement orientation. And what that is describing and assessing is, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to make every effort to succeed. And the propensity for burnout sits there because sometimes you're so determined to close a sale or do something that you don't recognize the point where you should have stopped. And once you go past that point, you risk burnout. But the, and this is a, a, shows the importance of understanding the whole concept you then have another aspect of mental toughness that's confidence and abilities. So as a salesperson, you're confident in your inability to present the proposition, to deal with the client and uh, you know, get the client to, uh, to close a deal. However, if you burn yourself out and knock your head against the wall too often, then your confidence and abilities begins to diminish. 
So this is an indication about how the different factors of mental toughness can interplay with each other. And that's why it's important to understand the whole concept and not just say you're mentally tough or you're mentally sensitive. It's understanding the kind of dy dynamics that are going on there. Because if you do, and you can measure it, you can say, hang on, your confidence and abilities is dropping. That's not your abilities. It's your belief in your abilities. Yeah. So let's work on your belief, not on your abilities. Um, Doug, we're going to have to land the plane pretty soon, but I think my last question is, have you got any sort of context into the work you've been doing specifically around selling and sales recently? You know, in our last exchange, you mentioned that there's some, you know, PhD research going on at the moment. I'm quite curious to sort of not expose the results of that yet or anything because they're still in, in process. But what, what's the nature of the study? Um, right. Well, there are two main uh, th one. One would not surprise. It's the impact of COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, yeah. that piece of research has just been published on December the 31st. So it is pretty hot off the press. Now, there's about 20 or 30 research papers out there that tell us something we already know, that COVID has created stress, depression and anxiety in the general population. This piece of research says... Yes, it has, but not everybody is stressed, depressed, or anxious. And funnily enough, the correlation is the more mentally tough appear to yeah. be taken yeah. in a stride. So that's going back to stoicism. Yeah, yeah. It's just another one of life's grotty events. I'll yeah. deal with it in the same way as I deal with everything else. The mentally sensitive, on the other hand, are in a downward spiral. It's affecting their mental sensitivity and their mental sensitivity is becoming increasing. So they're becoming more mentally sensitive. So they're becoming more anxious, more depressed and more stressed. That has a long term implication for any role, um, because if you think about it, even if we cured COVID by the end of the year, you would have a lot of people out there who are mentally on their knees. If we want to get everybody up and running, we need everybody up performing to their best as quickly as possible. Yeah. But you're going to get a lot of people who don't understand that and don't understand how to assess that in people. And we already see that. You know, we see people trying to make a demand on somebody that now is no longer capable of responding to that demand. So there's a general thing there. But you know, when you think about business as a process, what starts the process in a business? It's the sales effort. You've got to get the sales in before you can process an order, deliver it, and start getting money in. The, the people who are going to lead that recovery are salespeople. Yep. What, what, why, do, why does every business fail? Why does every, if, if well, business fail? Well, I suppose there's, there's lots of reasons, but it's because they don't. Uh, it's the uh, Darwinian thing. They don't adjust. Well, the adjustment, but, but the number one reason why they don't, why, why they fail, the reason why they do not exist anymore is they have no sales, right? Yeah. No sales. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Could be all these other things, but without yeah, those yeah. dollars, you um, have no business. Yeah. Uh, Doug, this was a fantastic conversation. I, I, I'm just eating it up in my head as well. I know you have a book. Um, there's potentially other resources that are available for folks if, if people want to kind of dive in and get deeper into this content with you, what's the best way to 
you know, either engage or, or get access to your materials? Well, there's a website that's www.aqr.co.uk. Uh, there's a, a contact email address that's head office, all one word, at aqr.co.uk. That's okay. probably the easiest way. And, and, and we're what's pretty the name, good at responding. What's the name of the book for those? The who book is Developing Mental Toughness, and it's been written by Peter Clough and myself. It's published by Kogan Page, and it's, it's a bargain. It'll change your life. Brilliant. It is brilliant. I've read it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, really, really appreciate all of the uh, insights and, and wisdom that you've given to our audience. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll land the plane here. Have a wonderful, uh, wonderful day here. And uh, until next time, Jerry, we'll see you soon. Thank, no, you. thank you. Thank you for having me. Cheers.